Hello, listeners. Welcome to Gotta Jabrew, the podcast where two friends talk about their two favorite things, fish and beer. I am the kid. And I'm the Lizza. I'm going back to the Lizza. What? It's a new year. I like that. If it's more suiting for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Happy 2019, Happy listeners. 2019. And we're coming hot down off the adrenaline of 2018 uh, 19 fish new year's eve madison square garden run already being talked about as the best year of 3.0 so let's just jump right into it fact or fiction best let's, year let's of jump 3. right 0. into it uh <laughs> best year yet best best shut year up. That's yet. Not it. i'm not even going there but <laughs> i read a lot of articles as i'm sure all our listeners know and i'm sure all of our listeners who actually care about fish do the same thing as i do and are geeks not like you yeah um but a ton of the jam based articles and live music articles like everyone's basically just um talking about how amazing fish is right trey confirmed it himself and asked trey too on the sirius xm channel the fish channel the that he thinks that this is the best year of their entire career yeah. And he wouldn't trade it for any other year. Okay. And I think that this run uh, at MSG just kind of like bookended the like amazing and creative year that they had. That, albeit, that said, albeit, I thought the gag was weak, but the whole run at MSG was great. All right. So let's talk about that. Um, we zoom super far out. I, I definitely would not say it's the best of fish yet. Um that's just my personal opinion. Uh, I would say New Year's Eve run. It was a really good New Year. It was one of the best New Year's Eve runs I've ever seen. And I've been to every single one since 2011. Yeah. Except for Miami. I didn't go to Miami. I watched. I thought Night 2 was the best show I've ever been to. <laughs> That's the Saturday night? Yeah. I thought the Sunday night was straight fire. I thought, you know, the day before New Year's. Never miss a Sunday show. I thought. I was simulcasting it. You were at the show, and I was, I was at all four nights. I normally, even when I'm listening to a simulcast, like I'll like walk around the apartment. I'm like doing other stuff, like 
maybe I have fish on one screen because I have two TVs in my living room and I'll have like video games on the other screen. I actually sat down and watched the entire simulcast. That's how good it was. And not only that, there were moments in it where I was just like, I should have been at the show. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Um, that everything's right jam on Sunday was fucking insane. Do you want to fact check so that? Because I think you're kind of talking out of your asshole. That everything's right on Sunday? Was it Sunday? I think it was the Sunday show. I think uh, overall, they are proving to just be getting better and better and better as they age. They not only played everything's right on that Sunday, Sunday? show, they did that weird, um, what is it, the Mike's Glide week upon? Glide 2, that's very yeah. rare. Yeah, there were a lot of very rare songs that they played uh during this run into cross and painless i'm telling you that sunday show was made for me and and you weren't so there funny. so fuck off i know it's so funny uh you're not J3, a big fan. you were there with j3po first of all i didn't go to the entire run because i couldn't afford it this year and i'm finally at that, oh boo i'm at that moment Bullshit. where i'm starting to not have to like i don't feel the drive to have to go to the, the entire run i used to be like that that's why i'm so many shows deep uh for only being into fish since 2010 but I'm now at the point where Same I'm like, Same for me, uh, but uh, you will never, ever, ever not find me at a fish show if they're playing in my backyard. No, what this run taught me, if anything, is that I need to be smarter about the shows I do choose to go to. You have to. So, you have to be very selective these so days. So now I think going forward, like, I'll definitely, like, first of all, I wasn't even planning to go on the 28th. Tickets kind of fell into my lap. Um, and a buddy of ours, um, Needles, wanted to go, so we got the tickets and we kind of just did it last minute. But if I would have picked and actually looked Saturday, I Sunday, the, the two, Sunday. the two sandwich shows. Well, it depends. Are the, we're the best. <laughs> I argue that it depends where new year's falls. So this year it was the last day of the show. So the Sunday, Monday are the two best shows to go to. In my I opinion. just said that. No, that's not true. It was Saturday and Sunday. This run, the two middle shows that sandwiched the first and last night. I don't know. Best. I want to look at the, the Saturday set. I think I liked New Year's better than Saturday. Wrong. <laughs> I mean, you can't tell me my opinion. It is, it is undoubtedly true <laughs> that by this point in other uh, bands' careers that have managed to last 33 years, you look at, you know, like Dead, Rolling Stones, you look at all these bands that have lasted for this long. I read this article. It was great. It's like by this point in their careers... 33 years in they're all old and they basically all those artists just kind of ride on their own coattails play like reunion tours yeah. or yeah yeah they fall into just coasting towards the end of their career no the and fish is just like on this fucking like creative rocket ship like going f like they played almost every kasvat box song so they obviously yeah. love that new album yeah it's funny they played more kasvat box than the big boat <laughs> which is great really but i funny. think i would argue I, I would argue they did equal amount of bust outs crazy bust outs as they did for all the new stuff so so they're finding this like really cool like we're reinventing and reinvigorating our old stuff and jamming on it and doing crazy shit and we're also doing like cool fun new stuff with the new stuff we're excited about well that's why i was gonna to get back to the point of was this a great or not, if not the best msg run i would argue that it was a really great one because there were elements of you know, the best type of fish in this run. Sure. Like you're saying, there were the bust outs, there was the teasing, there was like going in and out of songs. What was the, was it Saturday night that you were saying they didn't even list it on fish.net, right? Party time. The party yeah. time that they didn't list. Yeah. So it's like, they're getting back to that like playful fun, like let's just go in and out of stuff. Yeah. And I love that because I'll forget what I'm listening to and then they'll come back in with like whatever. They did it yesterday with, I forget what they were playing, but um, it's fucking nuts. 
oh, they went back into Harry Hood. Casbah, they like, yeah, yeah, they went into, out yeah, from yeah. Harry Hood real hard, real hard stop, and just went into a different song. Yeah. But then they reprised it later, which was really cool. So, yeah, again, yeah. there's elements of that where I understand why people are, like, coming off this run so high and just like, oh, my God, this was so great. Um, but I don't know. I... I I, I don't I also am trying to be that critical person where it's just like all right I can't like jump down the run's throat right out the gate I have to let it settle I have to let it manifest so I almost even feel wrong kind of talking about it already yeah like, I need to go back and like listen to it and, like yeah I mean that's the type of fish fan you are you hate everything right out the gate and then like you have to like grow to like it and I'm not that way I no, you're the every time I go back and listen to these shows, it's just going to make it worse and worse for me. Yeah. I'm probably not going to go back and listen to these shows because I want to keep them in my mind the way that I remember seeing them. Oh, live. man, I got to go back and listen to that cross-eyed and painless. It was so good. They were definitely playing great. Uh, their energy was high. Last night, fucking Trey, like, screamed. He was like, Rah! and then, like, just started fucking going apeshit on the guitar. You, I like, like he jumps up and down. He just, there's <laughs> like a, a lot of, kid. there's obviously a lot of energy from them. Obviously, obviously a lot of energy from the crowd. Everyone's kind of just, like, feeling it. Energy's all around good, and I think that they're really, really, really hitting a really <laughs> great, beautiful, shining point, and it's just going to keep getting better. I think the song that we came in, Play by Play, which is your favorite song off of Casbot Vox, um, I thought that that was hilarious because they were trying to get the crowd involved. Yeah, it didn't really work, and I was really disappointed because at the <laughs> end, you're supposed to go, well, well, and like, was like, nope, <laughs> this song sucks. Fish was basically like using his hands to like mark when people were supposed to be singing and nobody gave a shit. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> it was great for me. Um, loved it mostly it was a good because show. you and I argue about that song a lot it was it was let's talk about the gag let's talk about what they decided to play in set three Mercury well, before, Mercury into Santos well the gag itself I thought out of everything for New Year's is the one thing I'd be critical about I thought it was weak too I thought after turning the entire stage into a boat and giving everybody a wristband that basically made them part of the light show um, basically made us a massive ocean for the ship to be sailing on was really amazing. And then going to Vegas, which we both did, and like seeing the Kazvat Vox set and just watching them turn everything white, having the screens and everything, I felt a little like, eh, at this gag. It was, you know, I think it was like nine or ten people across the front of the stage on uh, wires, and they went up in the air, and they were doing like that acrobatic I think shit. this whole gag was about Corona. And I think he like had a big hand in kind of like what he decided to do. Everything from like the lights that were dropping down and up, the smoke machines that were dropping down and up, yeah. like the giant uh, silver long confetti that was hanging from all around Madison Square Garden and like waving. Like there was a lot for Kuroda to kind of play around with. And really all Fish did was go up in the Jay and like went up in the air. Up and down, yeah. Which was hilarious because I, I was laughing in my head about how scared trey looked and how awesome mike looked it was really funny <laughs> you'd think it would be the opposite trey looks like that little kid at chuck e cheese there's that one ride at chuck e cheese where it's just basically a little mini ferris wheel yeah and the kid straps into the little seat and the yeah. kid doesn't know what to do because the whole ride is moving so it's like freaked out and stiff and just looking at their mom just like what's going on that's how trey looked on that harness yeah he was <laughs> scared he his, was a little scared his feet don't move they're just dangling there he was like, like kicking <laughs> his one foot like a little bit because like, like he was like and Mike and I think Mike was getting super into it. It was really funny. Yeah, he had a GoPro on his uh, headstock, Mike. He was like doing footage. stuff with his feet, though. He looked like he was like running and like he was like really having a fun time with it. I liked it. I thought it was good. 
There I, could have been more like interaction with the audience, but you know. I thought it, it was really it interesting that they uh, donned their uh, Trey and Mike donned their instruments from the Cosbot box set. So Trey had his Stratocaster, the Fender Strat that he modified. Yeah, because they were portable. And They're cordless. I mean, you can make any anything cordless. You can just get a wireless system and plug it into any guitar. He likes that Fender. I wonder now, seeing how he scared he was in the, in the sky, if he was worried about dropping his language. <laughs> <laughs> it was on him. It was on him with a with a and strap. They have lock straps, yeah. yeah so it's fine. But there's <laughs> a part of me watching how petrified he looked, and I was like, maybe he just didn't want to use his uh, languedoc in the air. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny. I'm like impressed that they both could play, sing, look at what was happening, and be in the air and like do all of those things together at one time. It's a lot of what lot of things that are happening, yeah, that are happening at one yeah, time. Yeah, for them to stay focused and continue singing yeah. and stuff, it's it can't be easy for sure. I like I don't know, I wish that like Fish and Paige were like in the gag too. Like I'm kind of over like just the Mike and fucking Trey show too. Like not to be a dick, but like that's kind of how it was like at Halloween too. Like well, it's they did all the choreography and like I want to see more of like a group. Like a see hot more dog? Like a group like they effort. all get in the hot dog. Yeah, yeah, like a group. It's gag. hard for them because, you know, drums and keyboards yeah, yeah. are so they, stationary. They tie you down to where you are. Yeah, for it, sure. But still, still, still. I think Paige would have to get a guitar that's not that Korg. Yeah. The problem with that Korg is that he only can work with one sound at a time. It's not like, you know, these newer age uh, keyboards where you can press a button and the preset's already saved and you just go to whatever. I also thought the pizza and like the pool toy thing was dumb. Oh, when all the, yeah, so all the acrobats the aliens got off stage. were cool, like in the, that in was the, the crowd. audience. No, there were people from under the stage pulling out those alien balloons and feeding them into the crowd. Oh, uh, okay. And that was cool because it was like, Mercury in space, but like the pizza, I don't get the pizza slices. I didn't get where that's that. what space smells like. I guess that's dumb. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to be a hater. It was great. I really loved it. Honestly, like when the arena was lit up blue, it looked like there were like jelly, like giant jellyfish, like swimming in the crowd. So like, it was cool. Like it was really very like visceral and like beautiful. But it was just I don't know. Again, after seeing Kozvat and. And the, the what's your favorite gag of all time? Oh shit, of all time, out of a show you've been to, so you oh, can't say like meat okay. stick because you I was gonna say there. I've never seen the hot dog. Yeah, um, of all the ones that I've seen, <laughs> yeah, what's your favorite? Um, damn. All right, I wasn't at the golf cart one, so I can't say that one. Um, Mine's Mega Fish. I watched it on on TV. I didn't watch it. Uh, That's been Mega the best Fish was so which far. one? Oh, Fishman. Miami. That was Miami. I wasn't there. 2014. So Mega that doesn't Fish. count for me. Yeah, that, that was the best one I've one. seen. <laughs> yeah, so it would probably have to be the sailboat. That's shit was crazy. They built an entire sail on stage and made us all part of the lights. It was it was just nuts. Um, I also got a big kick out of seeing knowing who wasn't in their right section because of how the bracelets were zoned. So when like a whole section would turn yellow and it'd be yellow from like, you know, the front row of the 100s all the way up to the midsection, you could tell people were out of seat because there was like mixed in colors that weren't supposed to be there. Um, I thought the steam set was really cool, but yeah, sailboat is definitely number one. Steam close second. Word. How about you? You said the fishman? The yeah. Giant fishman. Mega fish. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. That was like that. a space balls rip, right? Yeah. Mega made. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> It was great. What do you think your favorite moment of the weekend was? You went to all four shows. So, uh -huh. you know, 
And I'm telling you, the two middle shows were the best. Okay, that's I don't care about the first and not not New Year's. (laughs) I say it's the Sunday Monday, but that's my. Let's go through the two shows that I'm talking about. You want me to Saturday night? You want me to call out the set list real quick or what? Uh, yeah, just run through them quickly. Saturday was great. I walked away from Saturday thinking it was the best show I've ever been to, and I'm pretty sure I can stand by that. So it was Barry Alive to open. Blaze on Turtles in the Clouds, (laughs) The Sloth, Forty Six Days, Cities, Corinna. Uh, Yamar, Wolfman's brother. Set two is Karini. And that's when they did party time inside of Wolfman's brother. Okay. Continue. Karini, Tweezer. Yeah, yeah, Karini. Death Don't Hurt Very Long. Tweezer. Back into Tweezer. Yeah, man. No Quarter. Two, oh. 2001. First Tube. Shine a Light. Tweezer Reprise. Shine a Light and Tweezer Reprise of the Encore. So I think the No Quarter was the the pinpoint highlight of this whole run for me. Seeing, seeing Paige mm. sing fucking Led Zeppelin No Quarter, it was uh, transformative for me. And that's huh. that night where, like, you got the vibe that, like, they were, like, fucking showing up. And, like, they were there as an arena band. They were ready to, like, rock the fucking house off. Like, it was, it was a good... It was good. Yeah. This harkens back to him using, like, modulated vocals like he did with Prince. Like, it's really good. And it's rocking. Like, Led Zeppelin's a rock band, man. Like, so it's really good. Yeah. I don't know. It was great. You would have loved this. It has all the elements you like, like the quiet parts, like the rocking parts. <laughs> That's a funny moment from uh, yesterday that I don't think you'll ever let me live down. I'm. Uh, you didn't know what's the use, but you love it. You yeah. love it so much. So I just, it. I just done a little Molly, <laughs> and you know it was just starting to feel it. And the, yeah, what's the use comes on, and you're like, what song is this? And I was like, fuck if I know. <laughs> like I'm so like. Rrr. And you're like, it's what's. The, how do you not know what's the use? You love it so much. You start calling me out. It's like you're saying it so loud that the people around us are turning around. And you're just like, I thought you love this song. Yeah, you just- love that song. <laughs> I love it. What did they play after? What's the use? Uh, what's the use was from last um, night. Oh, hold on. It's always a precursor to something big. Um, which is why I don't mind it. It's play by play. So that's not something big. So I would actually argue. Yeah, yeah it wasn't it was that great. Pretty bonk. It came after Chalk Dust Torture, which is where it should have been between Steam and Chalk Dust Torture. Would have been a better spot for it, in my opinion. I don't know, like what it was about this run, but like even the like arguably low points, like the the slow quote unquote like meh dud songs, I still didn't find to be that bad. Well, that's what I was going to say about why I think this is a really good run and arguably one of the better MSG runs is because the worst song, even on that Sunday show, the worst song in the entire set is Velvet Sea and where it's placed and when it's placed is actually okay. So It was bad. It was still bad. <laughs> I'm not going to fuck with you. It was still bad. Real bad. I mean... And what did they play yesterday? Yesterday was the first time they played a slower song, and I was like, ugh, I am not into this. Um, I don't know. <laughs> 555, I hate. So. I love 550. How can you hate 555? Uh, play by play, I hate. Other than that, set one was pretty much great. Even Waste. I Waste is a slow song, but I love that song. Yeah, Waste is great. Waste um, is good. And then I, I think in the second set, they're really passing through or seven below i guess are the two that stick out to me farmhouse was there great farmhouse is a dud yeah i'm not trying to be a dick right after like an antelope and down with disease farmhouse is a straight dud pretty big dud yeah and then so set three was harry hood mercury old lang science say it to me santos simple saw it again limb by limb rock and roll Susie Susie greenberg Greenberg. and then encore read that encore the lizard and characters that's crazy that was like fish 1.0 type shit yeah that's crazy it was cool 
And this entire run, they every night they did more than one song as an encore, which I loved as Yo, well. Yo, you're fu- that's fucking. I got the four song night encore, but yeah. I'm just saying, like the, it every five? no four, but every single night of all four nights, they did more than one song encore, which I it loved. It was five. It was split open and melt, funky bish, Wilson, Rocky Top, split and split open and melt. That was the last song. Oh, so it's just marked four here, songs. Damn. Started with funky bitch. Funky bitch opened the encore, and then ended with cavern. A hormone collector, dude. Yeah, <laughs> fish is great, and the sh- these shows were great. Yeah, I don't ever see, I don't ever see myself not wanting to listen to them at any point, and I just can't. I I thank the gods every day that they're my favorite band. I get to see them play now. You know what's really interesting? As you were saying that, the first thing I thought of was how as we ramp up and get closer to shows, I find that I'm cutting off my listening of fish sooner and sooner. Um, like yeah, I, I haven't listened to Fish at all before this run. Leading up to the run, I stopped yeah. listening to them. I want to say it was Same. about a month and a half fresh. ago. Fresh. I wanted to go into it fresh. Yeah, so it was like basically midway through November because we had come back from Vegas. You listened to like Kazvat Vox, yeah, though. Yeah, I listened like, to that a fuck Several time. times. Because yeah. I was trying to see if it would grow on me, and it did. Um, again, there's still only three or four songs I like off the album, but again, that's more than Boat, and I'm glad that they were playing more Kazvat Vox stuff than Big Boat. So yeah, I feel like they've moved on a bit. Like they're not really playing uh, Big Boat at all. Yeah, we didn't see too much from Big Boat. We didn't see we didn't too many of like the older, bigger jams, like No Man and No Man's Land and Blaze On. Like they played No Man, but like that's that's it pretty much. Like Dude, you know my, what I mean? One of my new favorite songs is Everything's Right, which they've been playing a lot. But I love that song. They did play vehicle. more, which I like. I fucking hate that song. It's good. And I don't know. The, the, also, like, something to be said, I guess. They played it after tube. The like, place they, the, the way, the way, the place they're in the sets, like, where they're placing songs just seem to be working better. It seems like they're starting to find a better balance because I'm not going to lie. After the last ashtray where he talks about how they uh, pick songs, it became a little obvious to me that they are, they kind of get stuck in these pockets of songs that they just cycle through. But then stuff like this weekend happens where I'm like, well, they still have the capacity to do some. Yeah, cool see, I didn't feel like that at all. I feel like they were like genuinely taking risks and doing things that they don't normally do, and it was working, and the things they were doing were fitting together and being very seamless. Yeah, I mean, you got a letter to Jimmy Page, you got alumni blues, you got a bunch of shit that they don't normally. Yeah, and it was still good. Fuck with, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was delighted. I'm happy with what I saw. 2019. Yeah, let's go to Mexico. Yeah. Psych. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Uh, we'll simulcast it. But I mean, it's just it's like great. It, I don't know how I can leave anybody like not excited. Like yeah. I get those fans that want older fish, but that's over. <laughs> people evolve. I don't. So here's the thing, because I'm one of those people. I don't yeah. think it's that I want older fish. I think there's a style that we're evolving away from that I appreciate. And I think these, like, uh, there are these moments and these shows where you get dabs of it again, and it's just, like, people are just so thirsty for that, you know, older, more energy, like, crazy wailing, tray show shredding, like, old school shit that, like, now it's just, you know... But I feel like I I don't not get that. I always feel like I get that in some regards. Do you think if they stuck to some sort of format where they're going to play like five songs in the first set, like 
or, you know, five or six songs in the first set, four or five songs in the second set and stretched out more and did more improvisational shit and like got like more weird. Like, would you not be more satisfied? I know I would. That's one of the reasons why I like fish so much. It's because they stretch I, shit out and stuff. Yeah, I think you're so, just being like a little. I'm being picky a little close minded. I think, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. you're being a little. I think you're looking at it through a very small hole. I think they do still do a ton of improvisation. And I think that they're smart. In, you just said earlier today, you think that Trey should change something to be more simple so he can actually play it accurately. And I think that's where they're headed. I think they're trying to deliver what people want, but they're trying to do it in a way that where they're at now, it's fun and exciting and, and good easy and fun for them to play like i respect and admire artists who know as they age they need to change things to make them better and make them work right for for, the, for them getting older you know right so that that's what i'm saying like there's no reason you sing things in a lower octave because you can't hit that same thing you used to or you play something a little like one beat slower because you can't do the same riffs right. that you use. and i like that but for certain songs there are technically like complicated songs that you know, they just, you know, are having trouble playing more. I mean, that's why their songs, the, those songs aren't in their repertoires often, I would right. argue. So my point is, is that I would like them to do exactly what you're saying. Look at their entire catalog of music and be like, what have we not touched? Why haven't we touched it? Have we not touched it because we've been flubbing it a lot? Okay, so what can we do to this song to put it back in our repertoire? They do we'll, that we'll, ev for every show. I don't Paige, think Paige said every single time they walk out on any stage... No matter how big or small what they're thinking of changing or working on or doing is, they every single night try to change something. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but like eight out of ten times it works and it usually is something they continue to build on. Well, the example I'll give is, uh, what is it? Stray Dog is the name of that, of that tune? Like a stray Open dog. Open into town, yeah. Open into town. There's yeah. a part where Paige and Trey have this very syncopated, like arpeggio part. And Paige and Trey are supposed to play the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. Both during Vegas when they played it the first time and actually last night when they played it again yeah it was last night worse than when they played it at vegas trey just can't hit those arpeggios so what he started doing the second time the arpeggios came around is that he just played the overall chords and strummed them in a similar way as the arpeggios would sound if he were actually playing it note for note and i appreciated that more than him trying to play the arpeggios and fludging them like you know just fucking them up so so you're saying the same thing that I'm saying. I'm saying I'm saying the thing that you're claiming that they're doing, they're not, and they're still as, at at moments attempting to play the song as they're supposed to be played originally, and they're not pulling it off. So what I would appreciate is for them to go back and be like, all right, what do I know that I can't just get? They can't get change it everything. They have to do it piece by piece, which is my point that I but this just is only said. the second time of them playing that. Yeah, song. exactly, exactly. You're arguing my point. So how you're many more not times? Good at debating. So Please never become a fucking debater. <laughs> how many? You just times? argued my point for me. So my question. It's gonna take ten thousand more times before they play the song where they're gonna get to something you like. Yeah, I'm out. I just don't like that song. Yeah, you're, and you're not going to give it a chance. That's my point. <laughs> but I mean, you have to give things time whatever. to evolve. Listen, I've breathe. given Sparkle plenty of time, and I'm never going to like it. Like I love Sparkle. So I got it and I loved it. You loved know it what? Time. Like I'm allowed to like and not like whatever. But 
I just wish you're allowed to like and not like whatever you want. That's your right. Yeah. I'm just saying I think it's very ridiculous that you're you refuse to recognize their like evolution and their growing creative like power. I don't think that you could make the argument that the music that they're writing is as complex and like sophisticated as the shit that they were writing in the 90s. That's 100% true. I don't think Pretrichor could look anything took, close it to took You them, Enjoy Myself. I think they're yeah, but it took like, them like eight years to write You Enjoy Myself. And it took them one day to write in his fucking barn this entire album. And they were trying to do something that was more simple and more fun. So what I'm saying is, is that as they're getting older, like, I don't think complexity for the sake of you know executable like how well they can execute it should have to go down what i'm saying is is that the way they go about doing it can shift like what's what is there to hate about it it's the new album is fun classic fish what is there to hate about it nothing because it's better than big bow but that's my point it's because it's by comparison to something that i don't like that in my opinion is worse so i'll gladly take compare it to nothing just Say what you think about it. If I, if Casbah Box was was given to me and no one told me that it was fish and I heard it for the first time, I'd probably only like one song. Say it to me, Santos, and that's it. I write off the whole rest of the album. And the only reason I give him a chance, and I have two or three other songs that I'd rather hear, is because I know it's my favorite band playing it. And I know I'm going to hear it anyway. So there's three, two or three other songs that I can appreciate as well. But again, that's a, that's an opinion, man. I'm allowed to have it, but like. If you want to sit here, I mean, that's the point of this podcast, right? We sit here and we talk about our opinions and what we think Fitch should be doing and like what we think is interesting. I think what would be interesting is if they looked at their catalog of music and started working more stuff into it and stopped being more like in a pocket. That's all I'm saying. Agree I don't or think disagree? I don't like care. what you're saying is valid. I think if we could <laughs> go through like four shows in a row and that. not hear a tweezer, that'd be great because they're busy using that song slot for something else i think if we went through an entire you know fall tour and certain songs that they play all the fucking time i'll call it out free my favorite song of all time they play it every time i've seen them i can't remember the last time i went to a fish show where i haven't heard a free so that's one song slot that they're constantly recycling over and over and over and over again that they could easily put something else in there why would you want them to play something else if that's your favorite song? Because it's the whole point of creating diversity across their shows. That's why people keep going. So they're doing that. And they're doing that. Shows. But there's certain songs that stay in the repertoire. And that's my original point. There's a pocket of songs that if you look back through all of fall tour, this fall tour, you'll be like, oh, they pretty much played that like every four or five shows. That's like in their wheelhouse right now for fall. Who cares? That's always the way it's been, and it'll I'm never not change. Saying, you asked me what I like. You know what? What I think. This is what I think. That's what I would change. That's what I would change and make different. Then you don't like fish. <laughs> oh my god! Because what you're saying is never going to change, and that's the appeal and the beauty of them. And as I a think band. that's bullshit. I think what I think your original point that they're starting to figure out this evolution and figure out what the fans like and what they're doing. I think part of that is that they're starting to play more shit that they don't touch on a regular basis. Walls of the Cave was played a lot this fall tour. Or agree or disagree that song's always played a lot so why not switch it up for a song that they don't play a lot what's the argument against that who you just want to keep hearing walls shit. of the cave they've played an entire album's worth of new material this run that's not enough for you like what the fuck is ever it gonna make you happy be. it can what, what will ever make you happy 
You're literally tearing apart your favorite band saying Dude, you don't like them for doing me. new stuff and taking risks. And I'm telling you, Yo, that's straight fucking trash. That's honestly like you're when, being a fucking trash breather right now. No, and that's, that's honestly you're being that like typical TV sitcom where they go to fucking couples therapy and they're like, what would you change about your wife? And the, and the husband goes, oh, I would change this. And the wife goes, the fact that you had anything to say at all is just stupid. And it's just like you set me up with that question. You asked me what I would change or what I would about you this, talk around in circles you and you constantly contradict yourself. All right, whatever. That's and it's cool. frustrating because you don't even like say things with validity. I think everything, <laughs> every argument I just made about the songs that they have and in, in their wheelhouse and them changing, I think that's a valid argument and I would gladly see it happen and it would make me happier. You can agree or disagree. Again, that's the reason why we have this podcast. But you can't sit here and tell me that I'm a terrible fish fan and I need to stop you listening are, to fish. You are and, a terrible uh, fish fan. Because I have an opinion. Like, get out of here. <laughs> you can have an opinion, but you can say things factually and state them as their facts and they're wrong. And you do that all the time. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. Great. I don't know they any, haven't played, anything I've they just said about my played, point that's not factual. They haven't played... Uh, <laughs> What are those two songs they always open with? Heavy Things, they have not played this entire fall fucking tour. They haven't played this year. Great. They always used to play that. It was always used to be part of their regular repertoire. Yeah. Like you don't. And their shit's still in the regular repertoire that they play all the time. You don't read and study and look at things enough to like have the opinions that you have. Okay. Because you just say things like they're real and they're facts and they're not. Okay. So you just talk and about now fish you're for these like, segments now, now you're apparently like, I have nothing to no, say. No, and now you're just like, for whatever reason, <laughs> saying you don't want them to play your favorite song and you want them to play anything different. I'm saying, I'm simply stating that I would gladly give up my favorite songs slot in every set that I've ever seen them play where they play free for a song that I've never heard before. I would gladly do that. But they played eight Ten new songs on this. I am trying to go through the two shows that I went. What I went to the twenty eighth and thirty first. As we've been talking, that's what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. I can go through both those shows and not find a song that I've never seen before. That's not true. That's absolutely bullshit. Let's do it. Let's do it. You're lying. When have you ever seen Glide Two? When have you ever seen? I wasn't at that show. When have you ever seen Ass Handed? There's so many fucking things. You're (laughs) such a bullshitter, dude. So bullshitter. uh, There is not a single song on the 28th that I haven't. Shit. You asked me what I would change. I said I would like to see more stuff that I've never seen before, and that would mean that they would have to. What? Like what? Give me an example of something you want to see that would make your band better if you saw it, and make you like them more if you saw it. Good. You want give me, me to give me an list example. a yeah. fish song? Give me an example that I've of something never you're talking seen about. before that I would like yeah. to see. But you're, yeah, I have no idea <laughs> what the fuck you're even talking about. Tell me. Jesus Christ. You know what? It doesn't matter because you're still going to tell me I'm stupid and I'm dumb for wanting I'm not something you're I never stupid got before. Or dumb. So what are you I'm trying to tell saying... me here? What is wrong with what I'm saying? If you're going to debate me, then truly debate me. What you're is wrong with what I'm saying? You would trade songs that they play on the reg for something you've never seen before. And yes. I'm asking you, what's something you've never yes. seen before that you would prefer to see over a free? When including the, the, Lisa, the how songs, many songs we just does fish saw, have? how many songs does fish have? I don't know, thousands, hundreds, Fun, hundreds, over four hundred songs. A bunch. Of so there's a shit ton of songs on the Saket disc that I've never seen before that they've never even played before live. There's a bunch of shit out there that exists on Undermine, never heard before, never seen at a show. That I'm just saying, it'd be interesting. They literally to get it, debuted so I, a song from Billy Breeze in this run. That I wasn't never there, played. but I wasn't there. So well, that sounds pr- like a you problem, not a me problem. And it sounds like you're arguing for something that you could have helped. It sounds like 
like you've got nothing to support the the antithesis to my argument. You have nothing to support my the opposite of my point. I just literally <laughs> proved you wrong three times in a How row. Did in you, one sentence. I, like, we just went through the whole 28th show. Said I've they, never seen They a sh- debuted a song that they've never ever they played spent, live from Billy Breeze. And if they had spent less time mm-hmm. playing fucking Sparkle on the 28th, they could have used that song slot for something I've never heard before. They could have played something else instead of Maze. They could have played something instead of Walls of the Cave. Set your soul free. I would have gladly taken something else instead of that. There's so many song slots in here of songs that I've seen hundreds of times. Set your soul free. That you, I could have gladly. I'm not talking about that specifically there are songs i've been to over 100 fish shows there are songs that i've seen over 100 times <laughs> possum i've seen possum a shit ton of fucking times yeah and if th- you did some research on the internet you would find out how often they play certain songs and they're never going to stop playing those songs and there's a reason because people love those songs and i love those songs. and you're again we started off this part of this discussion saying, well, if there's something that you could change or something that would make it better for you, what would it be? My response was take some of the stuff that's in common rotation out. And you're like, that's dumb. That's stupid. I think that's dumb. (laughs) And the only way you're going to ever get that is by continuing to go see them and stop shitting all over them. I disagree. I I would argue that if you keep going to the shows, you're going to keep seeing certain songs in rotation and you're just going to keep upping the number of times you've seen those songs. Agree to disagree. I think no matter what they do, you'll never be happy, and that's that's not true. I was very sad satisfied with this. I one. love everything. They I think do. you should think more about asking someone what you would change if you're not ready and prepared to hear the answer. And I think if you're upset by what I've said, then I'm not I don't upset by like, what you said. I just think it's dumb because you're saying that you that you wish they played more new stuff. And this specific last four night shows, I've seen more debuts than I've seen since I've been a fish fan for the last four years. So in four nights. They've compressed four years worth of my experience and played a ton of new debuts. You don't that think I've never that's seen. in any way subjective to you know what they're playing or how they're playing it or what songs they? How many true bust outs did you see this run? Two? No, a lot, dude. There's tons of songs I've never heard. You mentioned before. Ass Handed. Yeah. What else? The Billy Breeds debut. The interlude where he pulled out his acoustic. Yeah, Bliss. Bliss. Never seen that. Like, there's a ton of stuff I've never seen. And wouldn't it be cooler if you saw more of that stuff that you never saw? I like where their balance is. For me, the scale is perfectly balanced, and I don't want it to go up or down on either side. Well, that's you. That's maybe, me and a maybe, thousand billion other maybe, fish fans maybe, that are arguing maybe. they're at their best, and they finally figured out like how they should be playing. And I'm mm-hmm. simply stating that you know if they really want to dig in deep, they could go a little harder. What's wrong with that? Again, you contradict what you say. Okay. You want great. them to play a ton of old arpeggiated crazy parts and try to fuck it up? That's what you want to start seeing? You want to start seeing no. older stuff that is harder for them to play where they're going to continue to fuck it up? I don't want to see that. I didn't say that. I want to see the new fun light stuff that off Cosbot Vox where everyone can sing along and have a good time and those are perfectly well, gonna, blended with old shit. But you just, I love you just said because it's new they're going to play it all the time so you're going to get that anyway. So you're going to get those what? 11 great. song slots no matter what. Great. So that's 11 song slots. Take away from the entirety of the weekend that you can't get anything else so what's the difference with adding older stuff in there for the slots that are left over again you i'm can't saying they do point. that i'm and i'm saying they already do that you'll be lucky if you get one maybe two maybe if you're lucky old songs oh man no way jose but go i encourage you to go back and look at you know Vegas. we didn't get a yim and we didn't get a fluff head yeah i don't care lizards is just as good as a fluff head for me we didn't. i prefer lizards actually <laughs> live 
Yeah. There's a lot of stuff we didn't get. Again, I have no, again, I will make the same point I made. I get free almost every show that I've ever seen Fish. I will happily give up my favorite song and not see it. Fish could never play it again. They could shelve it for the rest of their career. Uh And I'd be happy knowing that that song could possibly be replaced by something that I've either A, never heard before, or maybe heard one or two times. So then are you asking that they take that slot every single time they're going to go on stage and play the same new song that you want no, them to see? No, I would rather them to flu- have more fluctuation in what comes in and what goes out. You understand that takes a lot more work and they already have to do like a mountain's worth of work to prepare for a show every single day. What's the point in having 400 songs if you're only going to play 100 of them? They don't. <laughs> My answer to that is they don't. I would encourage you, don't you do can that. go on the fishnet and go to songs. Yeah, they give you the breakdown. And it'll list them the by the total number of times they're played. I understand. I would sort them from least amount of times to most and look at some of those songs and be like, hmm, that'd be really cool if they played that. I'm pretty sure you could fill up an entire MSG run of shit that you've never heard before and still make it like a cosmic crazy set and can still fit in Casvox in there. Okay, so then what do you have to say about Baker's Dozen? Because they did 13 shows without repeating one song. That was one of the reasons why I love the Baker's Dozen so much. Because you knew, because we went to all 13 shows, that there was going to be a ton of shit that we'd never seen before. So that was one of the like the enticing parts about it. That's one of the reasons why I put my body through two months of just standing up at concerts and and going to MSG. Like it was to see this content and the shit that they were going to play and just see what whatever. Like, you know, a lot of those songs that they played on some of those nights that I've never heard before. And I was like, holy shit, like I would have never heard this song ever because they haven't played it since Baker's Dozen. So if I hadn't gone to that, it wouldn't have made it great. But that's what I'm saying. What would entice people to actually go to shows more, in my opinion, is if they kept playing like deeper shit. Not just keep playing Tweezer over and over and over again. And I have, again, no problem saying that. I'll gladly give up Tweezer if it means I'm possibly going to get something else. That's why people play fucking roulette at the casino. It's the worst game to play. It's the worst odds in the entire house. House wins most of the time. But people do it because it's the excitement of possibly getting something that you weren't expecting. I feel sorry for you that that's not how you feel every single time you go to a show. Because that's how I feel every single time J3PO I go to a show. You and J3PO like to sit here and say, like, you're just such I'm a, sorry, like, a crotchety fish I fan. Agree. You suck at liking fish. You hate everything. No, I like to be critical yeah, about you're shit. you're a bit just of a because curmudgeon. I'm critical about shit doesn't mean I don't like it. I enjoyed this run, and I am one of those people who would argue it's one of the best MSG runs in 3.0. I can say that with affirmation, seeing the entire set list from all the nights. But one of the reasons why I would argue that's so cool is because they snuck shit in there that they've never played before. Did I not text you when they played Corinna? And I was like, I can't believe you're seeing this song right now. That's awesome. I'm so jealous. So again, it's not like you guys want to paint me to be this like Grinch that stole like fish fandom from people and I'm just out there to like shit on everything. But again, if you're going to ask me to be critical and then just shit on me for being critical, then don't ask me. You're, and then there's a difference between being just gonna, critical to be critical. Yeah, but and that's you're how the you antithesis are. of that. You're like shit. Like fish can't do no wrong. They shit gold. They everything is great. Yeah, I love can. everything they do. Yeah, so it's like, same. so Liz, what would you change? Absolutely nothing. No, that's if not we true. Did that that's not my answer. Single, uh, if we did that for every single podcast episode, we wouldn't have a podcast. You have to critique. Right. Shit. So you're just and arguing you for arguing's sake. That's uh, my point. 
what's the point in doing this if that's not the point? It's the, it's the, it's, we're trying to expand what we know and understand about fish. And the only way that I'm going to do that is by experiencing things I've never seen or heard before. And I'm so, saying they do that all the time. And I'm saying I wish they <laughs> did it a little more. Specifically in this run. Yeah. So what are you complaining about? At the end of the day, what are you complaining about? You, I'm not complaining about anything. You <laughs> asked me what I would change and do a little different. I said I would take some of the standard songs that I've seen a lot and I would take them out of the repertoire and put stuff in there that's different. You can't see an entire show's worth of new shit. You have to have the flow and you have to have this up and down. You have to have the highs and the lows and the peaks and the valleys and the quiet and the louds. Like, and that's what the old and the new together make. And that's why they're playing at their best. Sure. The more they keep creating, the more they're going to have in their arsenal. They're giving you, they're literally on a silver platter handing you what you just said you wanted. But you're criticizing the new stuff that they're doing. I'm not. I'm criticizing the shit that they play over and over and over again. And that's the part of the argument that you can't fix in on. You're just fixing in on the part, well, you just want more new shit. And they just gave you new shit. So you're they just did. stupid. And it's like, no, no you're not understanding that. What I'm saying is get rid of Tweezer. What I'm saying is get rid of Ghost. What I'm saying is get rid I of fucking so Fuego. Right get rid of songs that you, Bathtub Gin, Possum. Get rid of these songs that you've been playing hundreds and hundreds of times. Give me a couple ones that you've maybe only played 20 times maybe played like one time that's all i'm saying all those songs you just mentioned they played differently every time yes that's part of seeing fish nothing's Correct. ever played the same way Correct. twice i understand so, uh, that. so uh, what again i don't understand i, I yeah, really have no idea what you're you trying have no to say. problem not understanding but critiquing that's very very apparent <laughs> I wish you liked fish as much as I did. And I do. That'd be great. I'm going to be next Halloween fish show. I'm just going to dress up as the Grinch and just walk around and tell everybody the show is terrible and this band sucks. That's what I'm going to do. And I bet you makes you happier than a pig and shit. I know you don't <laughs> think that. I just wish you didn't shit on them for shitting on them sake. I think anybody can pick anything apart. And if you're going to ask someone to do so, you shouldn't be like on them for doing what you asked them to do that's all i asked you what would make it better for you and you told me and i'm saying what you're saying they already do you're they telling do me enough. what you want they don't do and i'm enough. telling you they already deliver you'll be that. lucky you'll be lucky if an entire run look at the fall tour I, I encourage you to go back to fall tour if you see one bust out in a run and this run you're saying oh well we got you know there was four shows and we got two of them great more than two i wish glide two is fucking i've never it's seen rare. that like I it's just it. there's so much I get it. shit and they unfortunately that's rare. i wasn't there so again you got something <laughs> so maybe that's the problem so maybe i'm more maybe than you happy. gotta go to all the shows to see the shit you <laughs> maybe, want dick and maybe we can both get what we want if they shelve a couple songs that they play a lot but they're already doing that shit. i told you they're already doing that okay What's okay. the other one? That's not heavy things. There's another one they always open with. Like there's a there there were there were a, a New Year's two New Year's in a row where they would do these songs that you knew just fell into these certain slots, and they still do that. But I think they keep the songs in specific slots because they work so well. Like a set two a set one closer Walls of the Cave is like my favorite my favorite thing. Like it's so good. <laughs> Uh, Shine a light as an encore, great. And I fucking relished a, a pig in shit that they didn't do fucking Loving Cup, your favorite one, because I like Shine a Light better. It's a lesser played one. 
which again, fucking please, if I never got a loving cup again, shit. I wouldn't be upset. Like if they're going to put, can we shit talk about spot. how night one, they did zero covers. I thought that was insanely cool. Yeah. That's cool to me. That I also feel like is a point to giving you what you want. They didn't do any covers on night one. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And New Year's Eve was time themed, as you were saying. Yeah, the article said it was all about time. Great. All right. Uh, Anything else to say? No. (laughs) I've said enough. I guess. (laughs) I come out looking like the hero every time. So Uh, you want to say something to redeem redeem yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Critique my critique. Yeah. I should just never. You should just run the fish segment. I'm just going to be passive. I'm not going to say anything. If I don't have anything nice to say, I'm not going to say anything at all. I just. No, that's that's bullshit. (laughs) I just think that you say these things and when i when i dispute them you just say that i don't know what I'm i just looked through about. the entire run the yeah. only night that is mentioned where there are bust outs that you're claiming is mm. that one night and they the, saturday the bliss and the what was it bliss and plasma were both in the same night and corinna that all happened in this yeah my favorite show no corinna was the other night that i didn't go <laughs> so yeah, there were three saturday bust outs and sunday and i don't know that i would call best shows one of them a bust out but I'm calling it Saturday night was my favorite night. So cool. What I'm saying is, is that I wouldn't have to feel like I need to spend that much extra money and go to all the shows if they busted out songs more often. I think I would be more satisfied as a Fish fan if I went to a show and I just didn't see the standard show that I saw. That's all I'm saying. So are you like bored of them at this point? I find one of the reasons why I am okay with missing shows now these days and going yeah. to one or two out of a set yeah. is because missing stuff makes me want to still see it more, if that makes any sense. So the fact that I did miss that one night with two bust outs, in the back of my mind, I went, ah, oh, man, I should have went. Now the next time I go to see them, I'll see the whole thing. Huh. It's like if it's the absence makes the heart grow fonder played out in real life. Like if I don't go to shows, then I have the FOMO, the fear of missing out. And then I'm like, oh man, I should, I should go. But you need that negative to create the positive. Yeah. So because I That's have true. basically, this is the first run in my entire history as a fish fan where I was just like, if I, if I don't go to the whole run, I'm not hurt. Like I wasn't pressing. But to you go were to jealous show. that I was at the Saturday that, show. That Sunday show I was jealous of. Saturday, I wasn't really was Saturday. jealous of that Saturday show. I was jealous of the Corinna, but other I was more jealous of the Sunday show because it was just a fucking phenomenal show. But again, I wouldn't be as pressed to see them. I feel like if I had gone to the entire run, I'd be probably washed out about fish right now. I'd be like, I'm, you know, we take a little fish break until Mexico, not listen to them until then. But that's what I'm saying. I'm at I a just point now where I'm oversaturated. I'm yeah, just... I don't know. It's not just the band. It's like every night you go to a run, things are different, right? Where you sit is different. Who you sit with is different. Who you go with is different. Yeah, what you do is different. Analogy, yeah. Yeah, but just it. like it's different. And that's what makes each, that for me is what makes each one unique because it's a unique experience. It's not like you're literally repeating the same thing Which over is, and over. Which is, again, why I've been to over 150 shows. I'm not trying to argue that. All I'm trying to say is is that you asked me what I would change or what would help make it a little better for me. I would say having those bust outs trickled out a little more and having more people be like, oh, man, I saw that. Again, I think other fish fans would really appreciate it too, especially the ones who have been to 100, 200 shows. They'd be like, man, if I never saw another possum again, but I saw you know something crazy, that'd be great. But you have to wade through those like 18 possums to get no, to that crazy thing. you have to spend thing. thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars going to every single show imaginable to hope for that one specific bust out. 
Yeah. Because they just want, you just, it's different every time. It's different every time. I mean, time. again, that's just as, I, that's the same toxicity and the same logistics behind like gambling. and Like you're just, you just keep going. It's like the rat, it's the study with the rat with the cocaine, like hits the bar a thousand times, even if it only gets the cocaine once. That's what going to a fish show is like. You go to a, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of fish shows, always chasing the show that you want, the one that's so good. And then when you get it, there's still going to be a better show after that. And you just keep going and keep going. Yeah, that's why point. I don't think that like, I don't know. I don't get when people say that. Like, oh, they're chasing their favorite. I will never have a favorite show. Because people, again, they go, you listen to a band and you have their catalog of music. You go, oh man, I really want to hear this song. Yeah. So then you go to the show and you're like, shit, they didn't play it. I got to go see them again. No. Shit, see, they didn't play see, it. But I got to go see it again. That's not how I <laughs> react at all. When I go to a show, there's always like a couple of songs I'm hoping for. But granted, I always usually call one or two. So I get the one or two that I want. But the ones I don't get don't leave me being like, oh, now I have to go to another show in hopes I get this. It's I'm excited just to go to another show to see what they do. And there's not I didn't get this. So I'm sad. It's I'm excited to see what new they're going to do tomorrow. And there's nothing wrong with that. I was one of those people for a really long time. I just think, again, my concept of you know and there's other factors you know how much money i'm spending the time that i'm spending the you know it's all this stuff where it's just like i now have to start thinking like hmm does it make sense for me to go like four hundred dollars in the hole to go see fish live to potentially see something i've never seen before or am i going to spend twenty dollars and sit and watch it on my couch some people will gladly spend the four five hundred dollars some people will sit on the couch it's like what you can do but like Again, I watch the two shows that I can go to. I simulcast them both. Uh -huh. It's still not the same as being there and experiencing Correct. it. I get that. <laughs> Again, it's just as much as you, you can watch a baseball game on TV, but going to the game is completely different. So yeah. it's one of those things now where it's like, you know, same way I'm a Yankees fan. Oh, man, if I don't see a Yankees game this whole season, I'm not hurt. I'm at the point right now in my fish fandom where I'm like, you know what? If I don't see the entire run of a fish, you know, uh, you know MSG, I'm not hurt. But if you could sit here and ask me what you could do to change it to make it better, man, on the 28th, if they would have threw me a bust out, I would have been really happy. They can get one. So I'll just have to keep going. And here we are. <laughs> what do you want to go out on? I don't know. Why don't you pick something? You have so much to say about this. You're far less picky. You have so much to say about this weekend. You don't want to pick any of the amazing songs that you heard for the very first time or... <laughs> the great songs that you heard in your experiences of seeing them this past I don't remember days. the shows. I'm like Trey. As soon as they're over, I don't remember them. Oh, and I don't God. go back and do like deep dives. I just like experience the experience. And that's okay. that. What was your favorite part of this run? Uh, that I was at? No, just your overall favorite part. No quarter was, I told you, my favorite. We already played a little snippet of that. But I do highly recommend you go and listen to that. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. See, that's that's a better question. You can talk about everything down. you hate, but you can't tell me one thing well, you no. like. I mean, immediately, I'm just like, it has to be something that I experienced. And to be honest, it would probably be the steam and the chalk dust. Because hmm. I love steam. I was at the first steam. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of I love songs that song. Where, yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorite songs. One of my favorite songs. Again, we'll never not not want it. And that's why I don't get why you say there are songs you trade because there are songs I would never not not want. There are songs I always want, no matter how much I like them or dislike them. Even if it's a song I dislike, if it's a crowd participatory song, I still enjoy it. 
Twist was great. Again, I love Twist. This Twist is, is one of my favorite conversation to have with you because according to you, nothing Fish does is like bad. Everything's great. Everything's perfect. Fish does no wrong by you. They could shit farmhouse on your, they could shit wrong. on your chest. They could shit too farmhouse far. Was Apparently wrong. they could shit a farmhouse on you into a velvet sea back in the farmhouse and you'd be like, This was great. I love fish. No, I don't They're like such farmhouse. a great band. I, I can't believe that. they just did fish into velvet sea into farmhouse. It was fucking farmhouse and the velvet sea farmhouse greatness. <laughs> You're just not making any sense. You're just speaking fake foo foo words. Whatever. Why don't you pick one? Why don't you pick a nice little fat number for us? Uh, why don't we listen to that Glide 2 that you can't stop talking about? Great. Great. I'm glad this segment's over. Way to bring in the new year. Maybe you'll be a better fish fan by January 1st. Maybe I'm already the fish fan that I want to be, and you should stop trying to make me into something that I'm not. Okay. Just accept me for who I am. Great. Glide 2. <laughs> All right. We'll see you after this short 15-minute break. Uh...
All right, we're back. Welcome back to God Brew. Lizza in the house. Yeah, the kid needed a needed that fifteen. It's a rough fish segment for me. <laughs> I don't. You can think and feel whatever you want. It's just different for me, and I will always like fiercely debate that my how I feel is right. And that's the problem <laughs> is that it's your feeling. And you're entitled to your sure. feeling the same way I am too. But I have problems with fans of anything. This includes beer as well. It's related to this segment. But like, yeah. I don't like people who walk into a bar who tell me that my palate is wrong. And like, I'll go up and I'll drink something and I'll be like, oh, that tastes like, you know, pineapples. And they'll go, no, no, it's mangoes. Doesn't taste like that at all. It's like, dude, how the fuck do you like, to, especially with taste? Because taste is so individualistic. It's just like, how the fuck are you going to tell me what that? Because oh, I'm right. It's just like, okay. It's a fair point. It just, it's more <laughs> because I want you to see them the way that I see them. Right. And that's never going to happen. So, but, so it comes from a good place. And it's a fair analogy. But what I, you just said. I think I'm to, to be fair, to be 100% on the record, I've never said that to anyone, even when they say something is 100% wrong. Yeah. And, and they it, say a beer tastes like something and I don't get it. I'm just like, oh, it's interesting. Well, the, the, I don't tell them the wrong. point of the conversation. And uh, hopefully I would, I would imagine the goal of this podcast is for someone to say something like that. Oh, well, this tastes like mango. And they go, oh, I don't get that at, at all. Can you explain? And then they go, oh, okay, well, you know, this is what I smell. This is the da, 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 da. And the other person goes, hmm. And then they op- their lens opens a little bit. The keyhole that you claimed I was looking through last segment opens a little wider. And they go, huh, that's interesting. I didn't get those notes at all. But now that you're saying that. Yeah, well, that's why when you're tasting beer, you got to keep your notes and your thoughts to yourself until the end. Because it's a very, uh, it's like a mind fuck. Like what you say influences the way that people taste things. Yeah. So speaking so like when I taste something, I don't like to say what I think until the other person has had a chance and tell me what they think. Especially because I don't want to influence Cicerone, anybody. Yeah. I just don't want to influence anybody, you know? Yeah. And you want everybody to experience well, things the I, way they want to experience it. Yeah. And there's no problem with that. It's when you start getting to the level of, well, no, what I'm saying is right and what you're saying is wrong. That's where that I just level wish of potential you gets could in there. see they're giving you what you're asking for. Not enough. It was my point. And that's true. <laughs> and fine for you. It's that's true. Okay. Well, I am drinking let's, yeah, let's a let's just, Bissell let's Brothers Reciprocal. We can talk about fish forever. Because we just got back from Maine before uh, New Year's run, before the holidays. Uh, we took a trip up there. Um, I'm drinking Reciprocal. We've talked about Bissell Brothers plenty on this podcast. The only th- reason I'm mentioning it is because this was the first time we went up there. And I, you know, I make you go to Bissell Brothers right out the gate. So mm-hmm. I can go and uh, I immediately bought a reciprocal fresh off the tap that they had just made earlier that week. Yeah. I sipped it and I turned to you and I said, this beer tastes different. I don't like this beer anymore. That's what I said. And I, I was like, fuck, I don't like this beer anymore. And we started laughing about it because it was funny to me because it's, it's a sign that my palate is developing and changing. Um, and it was also funny to me because the beer I ordered after that, Swish, which is their rarer, harder to find. Uh, it's basically the double IPA yeah. to reciprocal. Yeah. Um, I now like a lot. Yeah. Um, the malt characteristic is there. The body of the beer is thicker. It's just, it's just a better uh, beer for me now. But it's funny to me because if you had told me that four years ago when I had Bissell Brothers for the first time, I did have Swish and Reciprocal next to each other. I thought Swish was sweet and disgusting. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's just interesting to me that my palate's starting to shift and become a little more developed. And 
I'm drinking it now because I have to get it out of my fridge <laughs> and I keep just letting it sit there because I don't look at it. I used to buy a whole case of it and then try to like siphon it off so I could like reciprocal. Drink it yeah. What do you, so what do you, what has changed about what you taste in that beer? Like, what do you remember about it and what are you now feeling? The first time I ever had reciprocal was the first hoppy beer I ever liked. I think the reason for that was because of how dry it was and a lot of IPAs I was tasting at the time. Um, were thicker and sweeter, but like had an insane lingering like hop uh, impact on my palate. Like I'm sure. just, I either taste like straight pine or it's spicy and it's like heavy. Um, I want to give it a taste. Oh yeah. Uh, reciprocal. When I first had it, I was like, it's super dry and it drops off really fast. So it's not like a, it's not like a, a heady topper where you drink it and you fucking burp it for hours afterwards or like, you know, the, the hopper room gets stuck in your nose. Um, and even though it's scorchingly dry, um, that drop off is like really enjoyable. It just makes it something that I can keep drinking over and over and over again. Um, now I think it's just one of my favorite things about pale ales and IPAs, a good sign to me that they're really well balanced is that when I drink them, I'm not left wanting a cup of water afterwards. Like I'm, I'm not less refreshed uh, than when I left it. Um, what's the name of that brewery we went to? Um, good fellow. Good, good fire. Good fire. Good fire is making a bunch of IPAs and pale ales that are like that where you can drink them, but they're crushable. So like they're juicy and they might be a little dry, but when you drink them, you're not thirsty. What's the, the alcohol in this beer again? ABV? Uh, 7.3. And I it's know. an Australian See, pale ale, I think is what they're calling. It's still and good. maybe it's, it's still just not because th- I haven't had it in a long time. It's also very mellowed out right now. If it it's were, older. yeah, it was old. because it's like, what, four or five weeks old at this point. When we first got it, it's also the aromatics are way more intense. It just, it's, it's a lot. Um, but I so like So here's that. what I'll say about this beer. Love the aroma. I could literally smell this all day. It smells like fucking strawberries and melons to me. Like a skin of a melon when you go to smell like a cantaloupe. It smells like honeydew. And a strawberry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like I love that. I'm like, I'm like, ooh, this is great. It's like really, it's very aromatic. You get a lot of that. And the first sip I took, I really, really enjoyed. I was like, oh, this is like pretty nice, pretty mellow, kind of like fuller in body in my mouth. Like it's good. I'm jamming. I'm, I'm liking it. But then I just took a second sip and it was way more bitter I'm kind yeah, of just it like, eh. up, yeah. yeah, I'm kind of just like, eh. all right. I ha- don't really have any authority to speak to this because I, these days, the last thing I want to drink is an IPA. Yeah, you really jumped off. You used to be, when you and I first met four years ago, all you drank were IPAs. And you were honestly the reason why I started getting into the style at all because that's all you ever drank. And I was trying really hard to get over the bitter part of it. I just didn't like it. So it's it's interesting to me that I am now... I, st- I would say I'm like 40% of my journey through IPAs before I get to your point where I've destroyed my palate, completely wrecked it. And now all you drink are freaking Pilsners. <laughs> and if you get a hoppy Pilsner, you're like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my favorite style of beer has always been a Saison uh, just mm. because I am intrigued with yeast and I'm intrigued with the flavors that can be developed from said yeast um and i think every saison i've had has just been really really uh interesting it's also a style that doesn't have very strict parameters so you can be a little bit experimental with it i think maybe that's where i'm at with ipas now is most of them that i've had recently 
uh, are all falling into this big just jumble where they all taste very similar to me. And I don't find that people are being as experimental with them or as different with them or as creative with them. Okay. I feel like every one I have is pretty much the same. Yeah, it's hard. And it's basically, I think, now because New England has invaded all the styles and people are doing hazy, opaque, and well, highly hopped, double topped, double whatever, triple hopped. As a brewer, IPs. I'm trying to think of what I could accentuate a, a, a Saison with. And it's, you know, I have to really think about it. Like, I don't really. Anything. Like <laughs> sage, ginger, juniper, like vegetables. You can put like beets in a saison, like carrots in a saison. You could saison literally put anything in a saison. You're talking about things that immediately make a like mid-level expense beer. Like you know, it's like in the mid-range of expensive in terms of buying the ingredients <laughs> sure. to like being insanely like expensive. <laughs> and then you're you're making a special saison that most people aren't gonna touch because they're busy drinking that IPA. It's a style that like is underrepresented, like not underrepresented, but underappreciated. I don't think a lot of people think to go, oh, I want that Saison. They go, oh, I really want that IPA. Oh, I really want that Pale Ale. Oh, I really want that adjunct lager. Oh, I really like, but no one really goes, oh man, give me that Saison. I do. And I love Saisons. I think what's stopping that from happening is that it should really be like a paired with food drink. It is like the most versatile yeah. style that's yeah. for food pairing exactly in existence so yeah if you did that then i think you could start capturing people so really a saison should be the first american tapa like you should get a saison at a bar and get a little bite and if people started doing that i think you could really you know win people to the style but speaking of why don't we open up this allagash florette which I don't even know. Do you know what style this beer is? You would know better than I do. It just is a dry hop ale with hibiscus and flowers. I, I say that because, yeah, you were like, oh, with hibiscus, with whatever. I was like, oh, the beer we're about to drink has hibiscus in it. <laughs> have you tried this? No, I have not. It's also one of, it's what, the second beer they've canned? Because mm. there's that table, that session ale they do. That they I can. think you can get cans regularly from the brewery. I just don't think they're in the market. But it is actually worth mentioning. You're right. I don't. This is maybe the first like physical can besides table beer I've held in my hand from Eligash. I think it's only the second one that they've canned. I mean, they have a bunch in bottle, obviously. But um, the florette pours a light red color thanks to the hibiscus petals we right. add in the whirlpool. Yep. On top of the colors, the petals and subtle uh, undercurrents of tartness to balance the beer's hop-derived uh, citrus and tropical fruit notes. Local honey and Belgian-style yeast add the final layer of fruit-forward esters, making for an end result that is both elegant and extremely drinkable. Yeah, so this I'm going to like this because this is it's close. It's very in the same ballpark as Saison. So it's a Belgian session probably is how you would describe Belgian it. Belgian blonde, you could say. Belgian ale. But they do... Allagash's whole thing is balance and subtlety, and it's, that's something I very much appreciate in all the beers they brew. Hibiscus is tart. Have you ever had hibiscus tea? Have you ever drank uh, hibiscus or anything with hibiscus? Yeah, yeah. It's very tart. It's a, it's a tart, a bitter tart, like that kind of level. And then they are blending it with local honey, which brings in the sweet. Yeah. So it's going to be, again, very balanced. And then you're going to get that kick past just sweet and, and tart. You get that uh, weird, unique herbal herbaceous uh you know sage pepper you get all those awesome notes from the yeast the belgian yeast so 
Let's I'm excited this to try bitch this. Open, yeah. Allagash Florette. Let's do it. Um, this was also a really interesting trip to Maine that we took because I think for the first, I mean, it's not the first time. It's probably the second or third trip that we've done where we're finally like so into the inner workings of Maine at this point. We go a couple times a year that we skipped a bunch of stuff, a bunch of breweries we didn't go to because we were trying to experience some new things. We went to Oxbow Blending Station because they had a bunch of uh, beers coming out that we were able to get our hands on. Um... But like we didn't make it to Rising Tide, we didn't make it to. I'm trying to think of some other ones. We didn't uh, Lone Pine, a bunch of breweries. We just like we're like. Eh. They all do IPAs. Yeah, this was a. I feel like this was driven by my tastes. I Allagash I will always go to because they're my favorite brewery in the world. And uh, Ox, my favorite brewery Oxbow, in the world. Oxbow does, I think, the most interesting beers right now. Yeah. I'm like riding the Oxbow train hard. They do. Farmhouse sales and they do blended farmhouse sales. And yeah, if I could pick something to make for my entire life or drink for the, my entire life, it would be that. <laughs> so uh, there's a, a episode coming out soon, hopefully this 2019, uh, with a group of guys who put together a Facebook group uh, called, what is it, Heady Beers for Fans, and fans are spelled with a PH, I want to say. is Yeah, Heady Beers for Fans. Um, and I was talking to this one dude who, uh, he lives out in Pennsylvania. His name is Drew. I believe I don't sorry I don't want to get your name wrong um yeah Drew Michael so shout out Drew um we were talking about how in his era uh neck of the woods in Pennsylvania there's a lot of breweries but it's like they're popping up everywhere and because they're brand new they're taking this whole like let's come out with like 12 different styles and push all these 12 different styles at once and he's saying that even out where he's at like everybody's making IPAs and he uh, he describes them as like drain pours like a yeah. lot of them are just really bad. You don't even want to try. You just completely dump them out. Huh. It's unfortunate. The interesting conversation that came out of uh, it came out of this was that I was saying, you know, what's interesting to me is that they're coming out with 12 different styles all at once. You know, when you used to go to Bissell Brothers when they first came out, they had like three beers. And it was like Substance was their flagship. They had Reciprocal. And I remember they had Lux the first time I went there. And the iLucky mm-hmm. were the two that were also out. So they had four. And it's like, you know, Allagash, when you go there, I mean, now, I mean, four years ago, even when I went there for the first time, they had like Crux, they had the Quad, they had White, and they had something else in the tasting room, I don't remember. So it was like four solid beers. And I think that that's kind of a contributing factor is that all these new breweries that are coming out now are like we need to kind of cover our basis we need like a chocolate stout we need a solid ipa we need a solid pale ale we need a solid amber we need like um you know whatever and they're spreading themselves so thin that the quality of their product is suffering as a result and because they're a small startup business they need to produce a lot so if their beers show flaws they serve them anyway because they have to turn a profit and keep the lights on and i think what's really awesome is that places like oxbow and allagash and even we can put Bissell in that category is that, you know, they come out with a couple beers, like one or two solid, and they stick to those beers and stand by them because of the quality of their product before they ex- expand into different styles. And I would not put Bissell Brothers in the same category as Oxbow and Allagash. Absolutely I not. <laughs> I would, I'm talking about in the way they market their beer, not in terms of, you know, what you like about them in quality. I'm saying the strategy <laughs> they use to release them. You get what I'm saying? So it's like, I would argue that I would argue what you're saying. Every single brewery that comes to this market, that's new. All they have is an IPA and a double IPA. 
Huh. I'm swimming in a fucking sea of IPAs and double IPAs, and it's making me sick to my stomach. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, dude, just give me a good Pilsner. Just give me a fucking six-week fucking awesome Saison. Like, I can flip that shit in a second. Yeah, but I mean... Drink it anytime. Eat it with anything. Anytime. It's it's a universal you, beer. But don't you think that's market trends? Market trends is saying right now IPAs uh-huh. sell, so you have to make them. Correct. And what I'm saying is when I think breweries come into existence now, all they're making is IPAs and double IPAs. And they're not expanding to other styles. Here's the, here's the fucking dealio. It takes a lot of craft, a lot of understanding, a lot of artistry to make the beers that Allagash makes and to make the beers that Oxbow makes. And it takes time and zero, zero effort to make a double, an IPA or a double IPA and to dump some oats in it and to dump some weeds in it and say, oh, here you go. This is what you should want. That's was And again, taking nothing away from those people who make that or people who like to drink that, because I totally understand the value. I'm just saying it's like it's it's art versus uh what I'm making to sell the market to sell as much of it as I can sell. Right. So again, there's there's the keep the light on beers, as uh uh Billy from Victory says it. <laughs> there are beers that you literally make just to turn because you know it'll turn you a profit. But what's interesting about that is like we went to battery steel to see them grow because we had heard that they had expanded into the space next to them. We wanted to go check them out. Last time we went there, we barely got beer because they barely have any most of the time. And we walked into the tasting room, which got bigger. But I think you can, I, you and I can agree that after like three or four beers, we were like, we're over this. They all pretty much because there were the 12 same. beers yeah. and eight of them. No, 10 of them were IPAs. Yeah. And every single one was pretty much the same, just with a swapped out hop variety. Yep. And that's, you're again you're no, speaking um, to my point so they had one sour which i tried and i liked and it kicked when we were there which so means that's I, the one people wanted because they don't want eight of the same thing so then there's a new brewery next to battery steel it's not it's not an industrial way it's like right next to industrial way um i forget the name of it though do you remember look it up they were good that is stout i really liked but i don't like stouts at all so they had six beers that they were offering and of the six beers three of them were quote unquote weird one of them was like a, a coffee milk whatever that i spilled on the floor um that was a stout i really like that stout. yeah that stout was actually for me who hates stouts is really good um i think it does so i think it does say something about a brewery uh and a brewer if they want to make uh, a good mix of styles or a good arc of styles because i think they think that that appeals to a wider audience and i would agree um, it, more at the end of the day, it's just like make what you want to make and make it well. And that's make now right. we're getting to the, ju- the 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 meat and potatoes of this art of this discussion that I wanted to get to. I think breweries are starting to conform to the market too fast and just making what they think the market wants and not making what inspires them. Yeah, and, that's absolutely true. And that's yeah. the problem right now. And uh, the name of the brewery is Definitive Brewing Company. Um, remember I they had a Berliner Weiss, like a blueberry Berliner that was really good. Yeah, it was, and th- that's what's interesting. I like when I go uh, the closest uh, craft bar to us. Uh, actually, the closest one that's uh, good is uh, uh, Sea Witch, and then Owl Farm is the next closest uh, where we are in Brooklyn. But um, I like when I go to Owl Farm specifically, just because the way they lay out their menu, and like I, I skim it looking for something weird. Uh, I mean, most often than not, it, you land on something that's like, oh, this is like a milk 
uh, IPA with grapefruit and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, man, that's just too much stuff that's in there. But that's where my eye is drawn to. It's yeah, so drawn let's, to let's weird talk about shit. This. Let's talk about this on air. We've had this conversation before, but I am always something that intrigues me as being in the industry and somebody who works in the industry is trying to get inside somebody else's head. Right. Try to figure out how they make decisions about how they go about what they choose, what they select to drink. So when I walk into a bar, I know what I do. I can run myself mentally through how I go about picking my beer. And like you're saying, right out the gate, if you walk into a place that has 40 things, it's a lot harder to pick than if you walk into a place that has four things. Paradox of choice, yeah. And that being said, if I walk into a place that has 40 lines, my it, my initial instinct is not to drink any of it because I don't know how fresh all of those beers are. Oh, yeah. So I'm, that's my you've, initial you've instinct. you me in that regard for sure, yeah. But again, that being said, paradox of choice, there's too much to choose from. If there were 30 things when you walk into a bar, I mean, Owl Farm must have 20, 30. They must have something like upwards of that on draft. 20 even. something lines. Right. Yeah. So how do you go about reviewing that list and picking the beer that you choose to drink? Um, what's interesting is when I was a novice drinker and I still do this from time to time, it's just a force of habit. You know, this is the way I first started drinking is I scan on ABV first. Then after I scan based on ABV, I look at the, the poor price. Okay. Then after I look at the poor price and the ABV, I look at the style. So you're shooting for value. Yes. You're shooting for getting the most money. Bang for my buck. Yes. Highest alcohol for lowest amount? Is that what you're always going for? Which is funny because when you think about that as someone who sells beer, what am I doing to myself? (laughs) Uh, I always look for the lowest alcohol. I'm shooting myself in the foot because that's probably the beer that doesn't move the most. So someone who wants to drink the freshest product always, I'm probably going to end up with like the worst case scenario. But if you're looking at a stout that's 11%, it's not going to taste bad. No, but if I'm looking at like a... has age on it. it but e- even something like a, a Belgian quad, if it's been sitting there for a couple months, the hop degradation on it, it's not going to taste the way that it was actually intended to taste when it began, you know? So it's like, for for me, what I'm saying is, is that as I've grown as a brewer and as a beer drinker, that original train of thought doesn't really work for what I'm ultimately trying to get out of the cup of liquid in front of me which is like the freshest most enjoyable experience so is that what you so do now what that's do you do what now? i do now now i look at the style first and i go is this seasonal when do i think that this was made when do i think the keg dropped and do i trust this bar enough to order it on draft huh that's honestly my thought process now which mm. has changed dramatically i went from being like let me just get as drunk as possible for as cheap as possible to being like what is the freshest most truest version of this beer that I can or the truest version of whatever beer on these lists that I can find um I always just want to drink what I feel like drinking and I feel like more people I wish more people did that I think a lot of people walk into places retailers bars whatever and they think oh what is it I'm supposed to be drinking here like what is the craziest thing I could get here like what's the rarest thing I yeah, can get? yeah and I why just, is this bottle I just, so expensive I like, just wish that <laughs> People would like I I walk into a place and nine times out of ten I always want a pilsner or a saison or a pale ale or something just light, low ABV and refreshing. And that's like always what I want. I don't want to be hit by like eighteen flavors and like (laughs) I don't want palate confusion. Like I literally just want something refreshing, light, slightly hoppy, nice and flavorful, like well brewed. And that's kind of just I guess where where I go. Same thing with sours. I used to drink a lot more sours than I do. I can't really drink many sours these days. It 
upsets my stomach and it's just too aggressive on my palate. Um, so again, and I think that's where I'm starting to come at this from is it's, it's starting to be a, a question of what can I drink multiple of instead of like, what can I just, I don't want to drink just one sour. That's going to leave me thirsty and, you know, slightly buzz. And I have to like take like a 15 minute break for my palate to readjust before I can go back and drink something else. Like yeah. I'm over that shit. I'm at the point now where I'm starting to move towards your palate where you're just like, I just want a nice crushable Pilsner that I can just sit here and just drink and enjoy it. Like, should we talk you know, a little like, bit, a little about this florette? It's, it's really good. His like pink lemonade to me. Uh, I was going it, to, it's like definitely, it if it were, yeah, yeah. It looks like pink lemonade for sure. Um, I like it. It's, it's, you know, what's really interesting to me, their canned beers are all like really like subtle. Like, I think the way it was described to me when we met, uh, some of the people at Allagash was that they were like, Oh, you know, we want you guys to put these cans in your, in your backpack and go for a hike like that. Yeah. That thought is like stuck in my brain now and I can't unhear it. And like, this florette, like I can picture like going to like bear, what is it? Bear mountain. Mm-hmm. And like go for a hike and I could drink this on my trail. Yeah. Like. But it's high in alcohol. Six um, percent. That's high. No, get out of here. If four percent is want, normal. I want a, th- if, I want if, a three percent. First of all, I'm going if four percent <laughs> is four percent is like basically the standard for a can of beer. Six mm-hmm. percent to me is not high. Eight mm-hmm. percent to me. Now I'm getting two for the price of one. That's getting up there. But like, I don't know. Six is decent. But I don't know, solid beer. I would I would buy a four pack of this if it was in a bodega, which it definitely will never be. But no, you know. that should that should never be in a bodega. <laughs> I'll go to a bottle shop fresh. and buy this for sure. But like we we got what two four more beers left, and we're already like more than. I want to try this. Segment. Let's think of let's. I want to give this guy a whirl. Seven Sun. We've had something from them uh, on the podcast before. Yeah, shout out to Jesse. One of my out in Florida. Yeah, one of my very good friends lives in Florida. Um. And he sends me Seven Sun because it's one of my absolute favorite breweries down there. A couple years ago when I was down there, I visited them. Uh, good stuff. And I think that they do a really good job uh, giving the people of Florida what they want. <laughs> and re- really, really bold and big on the side of this can, it says Beer for the sun- Sunshine State. And I feel like that's definitely what they deliver. Uh, this is called Seventh Up. And it's a Berliner with lemon lime. So it's supposed to taste like Seven Up. And Seven Sun, if you're out there, please, for the love of God, put fucking ABVs on your cans. I really can't stand when people don't put the alcohol content on their cans. What's it called again? Seventh somewhat? Seventh up. And Seventh it's a Berliner. Up. So in theory, stylistically, this beer should be 3 to 4%. But I like to know what it is. <laughs> I like to know what I'm drinking, guys. Ooh, smells good. It does smell like Seven Up, which is great. Uh, I'm trying to get into their website. Let's see how descriptive they are. Oh, that's pretty good. I, guess. I could um, fucking totally crush this. Damn. So talk about they've got three pages worth of beer. And there's three, six, nine, twelve beers on each page of their website. So that's well, thirty six so, beers. So in here's total. the thing though. They only they have, have Wolfman's Berliner, by the way, shout out. So here's <laughs> the thing though. They only have like six or eight of them available at one time in the tap room. Like the the time I was down there in St. Pete, this was like years ago, like four years ago. We went like two days out of the trip we were down there. And I think there was just like a day in between. But the two times we went there, they both had different stuff. They're, this beer is not even on their website. Right. So I they make even... small batches of stuff and they rotate it frequently. That's awesome. That's... Yeah. It's to keep people interested, which I really appreciate. 
Their their tap room looks beautiful too. Big shout out. We should go visit. I um, love you, Seventh Son. They're in Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'd ever go to Tampa though. Tampa. <laughs> Tampa. That's How where that's where my friend lives, so we should <laughs> oh, Okay. We would go to No, Tampa. he lives in Orlando, but we should go there. Oh man, this reeks this reeks of it smells like key limes, not even like lime. Lemon lime. Does it taste artificial? I haven't tasted it yet. Kind of. Because I was going to say, there's no a, way they got all this Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. Maybe it with is. zest. The problem when you put like anything uh, fruity I like into beer is that it hits this moment uh, in its shelf life where like the fruit part of it starts to sour. And it like, it gets, I've used, all summer we were doing, um, we found a wheat base of mine that uh, you and I really liked. So we were adding a bunch of stuff to it. We did watermelon, we did mango. Um, and it was just like, they all hit this specific point where it's like, they go bad in the same way. Yeah. And for me, it's like, you know, I'm a home brewer making five gallon batches. So it's fresh juice. And I imagine that's why a lot of uh, commercial breweries don't do that because sure. the, the it wouldn't sit on the shelf for very long. You'd have to get it off the shelf in like a month. You need to at least sit for a maximum, what, six months? Yeah. Before beer starts getting pulled? Like, it depends. Can't do that with fresh juice. 90 days, maybe, 150 days. Maybe that's why Carton does that Randall at their tasting room. <laughs> so they can do those um, fruit-infused beers without having to worry about the shelf life because you're serving it right there at your tasting room. I don't know. This smells great. I, I don't even want to drink it. I just want to keep smelling it. It smells like a 7-Up scented candle. It's, it tastes... I think what they're shooting for is what they've achieved. Oh. I do like it a lot. It tastes like a Bud Light Lime. That's insulting. I think that's great. It's like way more tangier and more fresh. This is tart. Yeah. This beer is tart. And the reason why I do like it is because the style. It reminds the, me of a, is it? The, the Berliner style is shining through. I almost and there are lemon lime. There are lemon lime elements to it, but I don't think they're hiding and masking the style. No, and the it's way that it lingers specific. is really good. I would imagine they use zest or something that it's like it's not going to sour or spoil or create fermentables. But like it, you get so much of the flavor of the lime. But it's clean and it drops right off and it's really refreshing. But one of the lingering flavors, it feels like I just sucked on a lime. It's great. It's good beer. Solid. I do like Seven Sun. Shout out Seven Sun. Send us some free shit. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> what else we got? Uh, we've got two beers from, from Maine. Maine. I love Maine. They're one of the OGs. One of me. them is a brand new beer. Brand new beer. Second dinner. Uh, it came out actually the Friday that we were in Maine and I was actually really nervous because we didn't end up getting up there until Sunday and I was worried that by Sunday it would be gone given how people line up for Maine on and you know if you've ever been there it's like on a service road next to a highway um, and the service road is technically a highway in and of itself so it's but it's basically what it is a two-lane road next to a major highway. And people line up on this two-lane road for miles to wait for freaking dinner and lunch. Dinner? Dinner is the one that they dinner. do the, the, the ticket release for. So I thought with second dinner, we weren't going to get it at all. Yeah. And when we went to the brewery, they had it in, in mass, and it was totally fine. Um, yeah. So I'm glad we were able to pick it up. They're um, they're expanding uh, 
a lot. They're they're, they're going now, yeah. through, and they already have gone through a massive expansion, um, which is great because I think that they have it very dialed in now. The beers that people want <laughs> from them, and they're making larger batches of them to kind of reach further, which is great. Do you think? Um, do you think? in the way that Maine markets itself and the way that their ideology is, you know, they don't come out with, they're not one of those breweries that come out with new beers all the time. They're very much like we want to not release something until it's perfect. Yes. And, and do you think that consumers, you know, you go into accounts and you, you sell beer. Like, do you think these accounts understand that about Maine? Do you think there's like a level of quality that they're achieving and you know they put so much time and effort into their labels and they want it to look a specific way and like they release their beer this way because of that you know there's quality 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 do you think people yeah. get that oh uh, i i think yeah i think it's 100 percent quality i think there's like an elegance to their beer i think there's a subtlety to their beer i think it's very versatile it's just really high quality product I've and their never thing had a beer has always been I don't like their thing has always been freshness. So I think coming out of the gate with it is very important that you want people to drink your beer fresh. That's always been a standard of theirs, which is great. I just really, I, there's this thing about them to me where, you know, when you go up to Maine and you're in Portland and you're hanging out like Novaria Res, you know, at a bar that has like every local Maine beer that there is to offer, Maine's always there, but I don't feel like I look around and I see a lot of people drinking it. But again, we're back to the what we were talking about before, market trends. Like people are drinking Bissell, people are drinking Oxbow, people are, you know, I just don't feel like they get credit that I feel like they deserve, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. No way. Like, Maine's like one of the OGs. Maine's like one of the staples of that come from that state. <laughs> yeah, that dude started in his garage. He is like my like story to tell because one of the expansions that they did the brewery where they got a they got a lab. They got a lab so fast. You know, Bissell doesn't have a lab, freaking Allagash doesn't have a lab like or maybe they do. Maybe Allagash has a lab. I just haven't seen it yet. Uh, Allagash has an extensive laboratory. Oh, it's just in a different <laughs> building than the main. I'm thinking of like we got a tour of the new main facility and like the biggest part of the build out to me from what I saw other than the huge system that they put in was the laboratory space and the quality checks. They now have like these booths that like employees can come in and do blind tastings and they're now Allagash really locking. Yeah, yeah, they're really locking into this like quality check. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just immediately for me as a brewer i just go man i want to be this guy like he started brewing in his garage on like a herm system like you know he got a bunch of blickman plots and like put together this thing and now he's got this like massive fucking 60 barrel brew house that they just installed a brand new tasting room on the way that's gonna have a wood fire oven for pizzas and shit like that's gonna be the hangout spot if i was him i would live at my brewery like Just incredible. I mean, Rob Todd did the same thing, I guess, but, you know, slept at the brewery, brewed all the fucking time, slung beer out of industrial way. Yep. I want that life. Anyway, second dinner. We should open it and talk about it. Do it. So I believe the way that they were Instagramming about this beer, this is how I found out that it was even happening the weekend we were there, is that they were saying it was a more tropical melon version of normal dinner. 
Um, so when we got to the tasting room, you immediately got one. Um, I got a son of sapping mammoth. Son of a sapping. It's the only mammoth. one that I hadn't tried. And son of a sapping mammoth, I got, which we're actually going to try uh, for you guys here, was a half acre collaboration, and we both got the beers we got because it was stuff we'd never had before. Uh, everything else, normal shit. They had the red um, wheelbarrow up there too. I I regret not getting. I don't think we could get dinner when we were in the tasting room. Um, I would love to drink them side by side to really get the comparison, but I remember drinking it, you know, fresh off the draft and just being like, Oh, I don't really get a lot of the melon. And you were like, what are you talking about? Like, this doesn't taste like melon. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. It's good. It's got that like candied finish, which I really appreciate. It's really weird (laughs) to me. It's like not, I don't know that I would consider it a double, a double IPA. Or is it an Imperial Pale Ale? Isn't that just an IPA? <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't, I, I would consider it a strong pale but just as dry as a pale, but not in the way that an IPA is sweet. Like, I'm in this There's weird... There's 8%. I can't believe that. It's very well brewed. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't taste like it's 8%. Uh, this is a dangerous beer if you get your hands on it. There's just like a cleanness, Put your car a cleanness, somewhere. a freshness, a dryness. Like, just everything about their beers uh, just tick boxes for me because this beer is bitter this beer is very bitter but it's 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 they use the hops in such a way where it's not overwhelming and i do get a lingering bitterness in my mouth but it's pleasant and it's not like clawing and like just coating my entire palate i appreciate this beer there is a subtlety to this beer it's got like a light hay quality like a malt quality like i everything that they use in this beer comes through and they use everything for a reason if you had told me if you hadn't told me this beer was eight percent i would have immediately assumed it was like four or five it's like very light very crushable again dangerous be careful out there all right the other one we have from them is the uh son of a sapping mammoth the half acre i'm gonna pop that real fast i don't need to Um, try that I was gonna say because we st- we still have. Uh, why don't we actually let me, let's let's skip the sapping mammoth, and let's talk about the one you got because that that can looks pretty. I want to talk about it. Yeah. What is that? Is that still that's not a seventh sun, right? H- Hidden Springs Aleworks. Who are they? In collaboration with Loco Cuisine and Gingerbread Coffee. So what? this is a collab with a coffee producer, a restaurant, and a brewery. It's called Hidden Spring what? Hidden Springs Aleworks. And it's a Berliner Weiss with cocoa nibs, coffee, and hazelnuts. It's 5%. It's called Resting Brunch Face, which I think is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and I, we should post a picture of this can because it's uh, really I'm going to post all the cans after the... Uh, so good. I'm going to post it all on our Instagram. So give us a little history about this bit. Uh, this, this brewery... Hidden Springs. We've I'm had on the them before right on the website now. or not? Um, I don't. We we have. I've seen similar can art from them. Um, 
I've never had anything like this. So again, so they have is, a they have a couple beers. My cousin Vinny, which is a nitro Berliner with coffee, lactose, vanilla, coconut nibs. Oh, it sounds like uh, Bear Lasers IPA with citrus, Simcoe, and mosaic hops. Unreliable narrator, a Berliner with strawberry, lime, lactose, and vanilla. Freaky Deaky Dutch, which is a Berliner with chipotle peppers, maple, and cranberry. Ooh. Uh, mock and Jalad at Tan, Tana, Tanagra. Collab with Ep- Ellipsis Brewing, which is a Goza with mango and uh, ter- tamarind? tamarind. Tamarind and tangerine. Cool. So let's, Damn, they're, they're, they what's their so history? Yeah. What's their history? Uh, let's not, let, uh, we don't have to go through the beers. Just tell me where they are located <laughs> and give me a little bit of, about. Uh, that's I'm honestly on their main they're page. They're from Florida. Yeah. Right. They, they're from this, Florida. Another beer they're from that Tampa. I was sent. Tampa Heights. Right. Uh, their website needs some looking at because I have no <laughs> fucking idea to how to answer your question because it's so poorly put together. Their website. Um, they don't give you much. 1631 North Franklin Street, Tampa, Florida. Yeah, there's no like about us. There's no like they have special events. When they events. started? There's uh, no when they room. started as a brewery? Nope. And their homepage just has a list of all their beers based on the date and hmm. their tap room hours. So they're a mystery to us at, the, at current. We're going to have to ask. Uh, we're going to have to phone Jesse in one of these days and have him give us the lowdown on the beers he sends us. Um. So Berliners and Gozas, honestly, they're first of all, Tampa knows its market. Yeah, and, and I gotta say, they really do know what people want to drink down there. Yeah, it's hot, it's hot as fuck. So you want to be yeah. drinking really refreshing stuff. I think maybe that's why on my trip down there, the one time I went down there, I was like goo goo gaga over it because Gozas and Berliners are like some of my favorite styles. Low ABV, really light, refreshing. Dude, let's talk about this fucking beautiful can. The can has a three stack of pancakes on it. And the eggs and bacon on top of the pancakes make up a face that looks like resting bitch face. So That's called resting brunch face. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it looks beautiful. It's super clear. Damn. It smells like syrup. Yeah, like maple nuts. syrup. It smells like a coffee shop. No, it smells, it smells like, like coffee. coffee. It smells yeah. like straight coffee. I pick things out in coffee that you don't. Ooh, this is strange. Woo, this is strange. Ooh, this is like, ooh, this is like tart and like Very a little strange. sour. You get the coffee at the end. I dig this. You this do? is, I like beers surprised. that use coffee. Really I like beers that use coffee, but don't make coffee the thing. I think this is very heavy with the coffee. Coffee's at the end and it smells and reeks of coffee, but I don't, generally when it's used as an ingredient, the only things that I get are like, bitterness not from hops obviously just from the coffee and chocolate and yeah. i get no sense of chocolate from here at all but the smell of the coffee helps to accentuate the slight taste of it at the end when it's dropping off and then it does drop off because you're left with the tartness and the sour so it's like it's again using coffee but coffee is not the spotlight of this beer yeah this is great i'm gonna drink this whole thing Oof, I'm not a huge fan of this. <laughs> it's confusing my palate. That's great. That's it's why I like it. Because you you said coffee, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna chase it's chocolate. Cocoa it's nibs, coffee, and hazelnuts. Yeah, I don't it's get all things you. The hate. hazelnut is uh, no hazelnut is. Uh, I'm thinking of chestnuts. I was like, they taste like mashed potatoes. <laughs> so chestnuts. I there's uh, forgive me for saying so, but there's a very artificial quality that I'm getting from this. And the coffee Ooh, smell and taste is nice, 
but I feel like I'm in like a fucking uh, shitty ass corner coffee shop that uses those like uh, sugar sugar pumps <laughs> to make my coffee taste like vanilla syrup or some shit. Like that's uh, I what, see I, what you're yeah, yeah, I, I, I get. I get. Fuck are you going? With I get that like weird. <laughs> it's this beer is sweet to me. And it's funny that I guess I'm saying that cause it's supposed to be tart and it's tart yeah. at the end, but this is way too Up sweet front, for me. Yeah, it hits you in the front. That's why. It's very sweet. Very sweet. But that's why I think for me overall it's fine because it's sweet up front, which I'm always looking for. But then the tartness starts to work its way in and on its way out again because you're smelling as you're tilting the can or the cup to your face. It helps to accentuate the coffee flavor a little bit on its way out and then it all drops off. And the only thing that's left over is that sour yeah, I think I described that pretty well. I think I'm putting. I'm gonna start putting my big boy beer tasting pants on. Getting there. I'm not like, hey, it was good. Ah, it's true. <laughs> All right. Seemingly true. Well, we're gonna leave the uh, the son of a sapping mammoth for later. And uh, believe it or not, this is an hour long segment on each side for fish and beer. It's crazy. Well. It was well deserved because we took a month it's hiatus. A hiatus. Yeah, I didn't have internet for a month at uh, my apartment, so that's why that's where we record. <laughs> Starting Podcasts fresh. Podcast can't Starting happen. Two thousand nineteen. Yeah. New point oh. The kid has internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get the net. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so this is great. There's some fish shows on the way. Obviously, we have a uh, Mexico. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. We should uh, see what's going to happen with our fishing. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking 2019 is going to start messing with the format of this podcast. Maybe. Maybe we start putting the beer segment in the front. Sometimes Maybe. it depends what we're talking about. Maybe this year we're going to have, you know, certain episodes when we have not so much beer to talk about. We'll extend the fish segment. Sure. Vice versa. Some cool stuff coming. Cool. Man. Um, we nixed the soundboard. I'm over the soundboard. doesn't really work. <laughs> I like it. You do? Yeah. You want the Jeopardy music and shit? I like sounds. <laughs> well, I'm excited to uh, bring in 2019 with this episode, and I'm happy that we don't agree on everything, which makes this podcast interesting, and I'm glad that I got to try all these beers from me in a place that I love with all my heart. And Florida. And Florida. A place that I do not love with any part of my heart. But I will gladly go to visit your friend Jesse. Yep. And awesome. He's the man. Cool. All right. So let's take us out on. <laughs> take us out on a song that I've probably only heard once, if that. <laughs> it's a bust out, which happened from this New Year's run. I should have been there. Liz is always right. <laughs> the song is Plasma, and we will see you guys next time. Uh...